We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for May 10th, 2009. And today we're going to be continuing our study on Disney. And uh, we're going to be looking a little bit here at a couple of the other people that uh, play into this subject regarding Disney. We're going to be looking at Roy O. Disney and then Roy E. Disney. E meaning it's the uh, abbreviation for the middle name. And uh, just some more things that... I, there's a lot that I'm leaving out here because if I were to go down every uh, rabbit trail regarding the study, this would probably be about a ten-part study at least. So I'm trying to cover a little bit of everything with this study, not trying to make it too in-depth. And again, I will have this PDF up on the... Um, on the respective teachings for this. And what you can do is if you want to read the full thing, then you can go up there. And you can also check out the references as well because, um, you know, this is... There's a lot of different references and books that were used in order to compile all of this information. In fact, like I had said before, there's my word. The, the end of this article, there is three, three solid pages of sources for what we're talking about today here. So this isn't just something that, you know, we're just making up of. And I mean, oh my word, there are so many sources here. I'm looking at them right now. Uh, I just believe Fritz Springmeier was a meticulous research researcher. And um, we're drawing upon that today to kind of give you a synopsis of this whole subject of Disney. So, who was Roy O. Disney? Well, he was born in 1893, and his brother Walt Disney, who we've talked about most of the time, was born in 1901. So he was, what, eight years uh, younger than Walt. Uh, and they, a they actually had three other brothers, but Roy and Walt um, were, were only close to each other and, and not to their other brothers, who did not resemble them. So Walt was named Walter Elias. Okay, so that was Walt Disney. His middle name was derived from his father's first name. The Disney family had immigrated from Ireland to Canada and then to the U.S. The father of the brothers, as stated, was Elias, and their mother of Scottish descent, who may have, uh, who may have not been the biological mother, had the maiden name Flora Call. Roy died in 1971, shortly after the opening ceremonies for the Walt Disney World. He kept his promises to build his brother to his brother to build Walt Disney World. So you have to understand there's a difference between Walt Disney World and, and Disneyland and, you know, all these different parks they've got. <clears throat> now, Roy O., during the 1930s, lived in North Hollywood. Again, that, and that's uh, Roy O. Disney. Roy's family later located in the Napa Valley, California, and was associated with the Illuminati kingpins in the area. Napa Valley has been nicknamed the Valley of the Kings. The Valley of Kings plays a, plays a major role in the dirty activities revealed in this report. So, Napa Valley, California, there's a lot of wineries, it's wine country, okay? There's a lot of Illuminati families that own vineyards there, okay? It's kind of a, like a place that they gravitate to and they live, and uh, that's where Royo <coughs> Disney lived. Roy O. Disney played a bigger role at Disney Studios than people may realize, for example, it was Roy O. 
who made the decision to cut 45 minutes out of Fantasia. That's a lot of time. 45 minutes. Now, Fantasia was obnoxiously long anyway. I even remember as a kid I hated that cartoon. It was. I thought, how ridiculous is this cartoon as a kid? And it was pure witchcraft indoctrination. Um, and I, you know, there wasn't even any uh, voices. I don't believe hardly used for Fantasia at all. And that was Fantasia was Walt's pet project. But Roy was the one that actually cut forty-five minutes out of Fantasia, <clears throat> so it could be distributed to movie theaters. Roy O considered by some insiders as the more evil of the two brothers, kept the financial books for Disney down through the years. It was known that Disney kept two books during the 1950s, so it was hard to believe anything except that Roy was fully aware how Disney brought in their money. So this report goes on to say that the big boys always kept the financial screws to Walt and Roy the big boys often figured out scams to take their money. When Disney Brothers had an arrangement with Columbia Studios, they were advanced $7,500 for each cartoon, which cost them an unprofitable $13,500 to actually make. Further, um, <clears throat> they liked to cheat them by not sending them money and taking a ridiculous amount of time to pay them what they owed them. It's just a way to control them. See, the Illuminati put them where they were. The Illuminati were the ones, the point here, and this is going to be the point for a lot of what we're going to talk about, is if the Illuminati makes you, the Illuminati can break you. And they can toy with you, and they can head game you, and they can do whatever they want because they made you. And if you don't like it, then they can take it away, and or they can expose you because they typically have all kinds of things they can blackmail you with, particularly at this level. Going further, it says, when Sleeping Beauty was released in 1960, it was a loser. Moviegoers were apathetic toward it. The real money made by Disney Brothers in the 1930s and the 1950s came from the merchandising of Disney products, the production of underground, hardcore porn pornography, and the kickbacks from various groups which used Disney for mind control programming and money laundering. Now, if this is the first report you're hearing on this, you, you, you need to go back and listen to the first two, because if you just heard that statement and you don't have anything to base it on, well then, you know, it's going to be an absolute shock. But... Go back and listen to the first two parts. When Walt died, his shares in Disney were worth $18 million. His family, all in all, held 34% of the stock uh, in Walt Disney Productions. Roy O. Disney's daughter, Dorothy Disney Putter, and husband, Episcopalian Reverend Glenn Putter, purchased property 1677 Sage Canyon Road, Napa Valley, East Rutherford. This is close to the Rothschild's Opus One Temple. Now, the Rothschild has their vi has a vineyard in Napa Valley, and it's called Opus One. They make their own wine. It's very expensive. And this is uh, this property that Roy Disney's daughter and her Episcopalian, as my last pastor used to call him. Episcopalian Reverend Glenn Putter, they purchased property very near this Opus One um, temple that the Rothschilds made, this winery in Napa Valley. And again, I say that because it's no coincidence. Okay, All kinds of interesting mafia figures, Illuminati and Bohemian Grovers live up on Sage Canyon Road, which is where they bought this property. So again, it's just a little side note there, interesting. We, you could go down that rabbit trail and do a whole study on just Sage Canyon Road, probably. Um, going further, so who is Roy 
E. Disney. Okay. Roy Edward Disney is the nephew of Walt, is the son of Roy O. Disney, who is the guy we just talked about. Sometimes he has been called Junior. Uh, the 9594 Newsweek story on Disney's Magic Kingdom called him the, quote, Keeper of the Flame. And from an occult standpoint, you know, he is. He's the Keeper of the Flame. You know, they pass the torch on to the next generation. So Roy is an executive with Walt Disney Company. He has worked as an assistant producer at Walt Disney from 1954 to 1977. He's also been vice president of Walt Disney Company. He is president of the Roy E. Disney Productions in Burbank. He is chairman of the board for Shamrock Broadcasting Company. That was at the time of this report was written. Okay, And as if that weren't enough, he is on the board of directors for St. Joseph Medical Center. Uh, Academy Award nomination for Mysteries of the Deep. He is a director of the Guild American West, the Writers Guild. He belongs to the 100 Club and the St. Francis Yacht Club. He, he likes speedboat racing. Roy E. Disney was the cocky son of Roy O. Disney. He married a gal named Patricia. He was merely tolerated by his uncle Walt, especially after uh, he made some snide remarks about Walt's plane for Disneyland. I mean, you can imagine the egos between these two brothers and in this family. You know, I, you can't even imagine, probably, the egos that they had to contend with. Um, he made some snide remarks about Walt Disney's plans for Disneyland, which he and his father opposed until Walt Disney personally got the project going. Walt's son-in-law, Ronald Miller, is one of the Disney clan who can't stand Roy E. So again, you have a, your typical Illuminati witchcraft type family. There is a lot of infighting. And this is a big reason. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne. He controls everything. But a lot of times the people that are in the Illuminati or people that are involved in witchcraft are their own worst enemies. Because they're all demon-possessed at that level. And you're typically dealing with people that are in a generational Luciferianism and witchcraft. And there's a lot of infighting. You, you can't, you know, Satan doesn't play nice. There's even a lot of infighting, even within Satan's own ranks and hordes. Okay, because they're self-centered. And many times, this is a reason why they may have a agenda to implement, uh, you know, like 1984, the the book that was written. In regard to that was when they really wanted to have the New World Order in full swing. Well, here we are. It's 2009, and they still don't have it where they want it. Okay? And, again, it's because of a lot of the infighting that goes on within the Illuminati that they can't get on the same page. Uh, it's going, going further, it said um, that Ronald Miller, who's the son-in-law of, of um, Walt, he couldn't stand Roy E. The two never liked each other, and the power struggle between and them and after Walter's death, in the power struggle between them, Roy E. won and ended up with Disney. Although people call Roy E. Walt's, quote, idiot nephew, that's what the quote they call him, he eventually, with the help of, of his father and his outsiders, won the various power struggles at Disney after Walt died and is now a powerful figure. So going further, and again, I'm just wanting to give you a little bit of background on some of the main players regarding Disney. This next excerpt is entitled, What Do We Know About the Disney Family in General? 
Several members of the Disney family came to England with William the Conqueror. They were not known as Disney then, but because they came from the French Norman town of Iceni, is what it looks like. Now this is where the Disney's ultimately were from. They were from the French Norman town of Iceni. They took the name Disney and anglicized it into Disney. Okay, this is how a lot of people get their names. This isn't something that's out of the ordinary. Okay, so they come from the French Norman town of Iceni. They took the name of Disney and they anglicized it into Disney. Walt had two daughters. Diane Marie, uh, who lived from 12... Oh, she was born on 12, 18, 1933. And Sharon May. Diane made some revealing comments when she said, He didn't spoil us, like a lot of adolescent girls. I was crazy about horses, and I got quite good at riding. I yearned for my own horse, but Dad wouldn't buy me one. And we didn't have a lot of clothes and other things. For being one of the richest men in the nation, Walt can't be accused of having spoiled his children. He was very... Also very famous for his 10 cent tips at restaurants, which became the talk of the town. So he'd go to a restaurant and he'd leave a 10 cent tip, which is more, more of an insult than it is anything else. Of course, I mean, I understand back then, I guess it would depend what time era you're living in, you know. I mean, I know 10 cents was a lot more, but he was a cheapskate, evidently. Uh, now, Sharon May was adopted and arrived at the Disney home in 1231. 36, 1936. She died in 1993. This adoption was actually kept very secret. The newspapers around the country announced that Lillian had given birth to Sharon. Lillian being Walt Disney's wife. And the Disney family kept up this lie for many years. When in actuality, Sharon was actually adopted. The reason given for Sharon's adoption was that Diane, his real daughter, needed a playmate. For years, Walt Disney didn't care much for Sharon, the, the adopted uh, girl, and seldom acted like he even knew her name. Walt had wanted a son, but his wife wanted to adopt a girl, so it was so it was a beautiful girl that Lillian picked out to be a companion for her first daughter. Sharon was sent to private schools. She went to Westlake Girls Westlake School for Girls, and was later sh- shipped off to Switzerland to a girls' boarding school. So again, just a little more background there. Years later, Walt's wife Lillian even prevented a biographer from revealing that Sharon was adopted. Sharon died relatively young. It is important to look at the Disney family rather than just Walt Disney to try to understand the Disney phenomenon. For instance, in 1958, the Wall Street Journal mentioned that Lillian Disney was beneficial owner of over 10% of the common Disney stock. Lillian, who is Walt's widow now, or at the time, quietly purchased property, guess where, in Napa Valley, and moved there in the late 60s. It's kind of funny, they're all, they're all, uh, wanting to go to Napa Valley, you know, which is where all this occult activity is, and, you know, anyway. Then, it says that Lillian bought the property through Walt's Retlaw Enterprises, and then the Lily, Lillian Disney Trust. Lillian and her two daughters ran Retlaw for years. Um, Diane Miller, her daughter, also bought land and moved to Napa Valley. The Lillian Disney Trust bought the Silverado Vineyards. Remember what I said about Napa Valley and the vineyards? Well, that's, it's kind of like a cover 
for illegal and satanic activity most of the time. It gives it that veneer. Well, hey, there's all kind of and you can have a lot of land if you have a vineyard and who's to question you? Um, so Lillian bought the Silverado Vineyards, which Diane and her husband manage as quote gentlemen growers, as they call it. The side of the Disney family, this side of the Disney family, is shunned by the Illuminati insiders in the Napa Valley. I mean, isn't that terrible? Those Illuminati insiders just shun them. Probably hurt their little feelings. Uh, although very private, there are an occasional moments of publicity from Diane Disney Miller when she donated wine for a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood. What a wonderful Christian influence that is. I mean, you know, Disney, the bastion of wholesomeness and goodness, and they're, they're going to donate some wine, probably blessed by the god Bacchus, who's the god of wine and debauchery. And then we're going we're gonna to donate this wine to Planned Parenthood. I mean, how appropriate. Um, so it was a fundraiser for, for Planned Parenthood, and then it says Shasta Diablo held at the estate of Newbaum and Coppola, owned by director-producer Francis Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola is also an old mafia family. So, I mean, this is a mouthful. She donated wine for a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood, and then it says, for Shasta Diablo. Now, Diablo means the devil. Uh, anyway. Francis Ford Coppola owns a big winery, and is and directed Disney's Caption EO film. I'm not sure exactly what that means, but... Locals in the Napa Valley do not trust any of the Disneys, especially Roy O's side of the family. That's Walt's brother. There are other Disneys who tie into the occult world. Wesley Ernest Disney, who is a 32nd degree Mason and a Shriner, who was also a U.S. congressman. And state official and lawyer in Kansas, who had a brother... Richard Lester Disney, who is a Rhodes Scholar and a Mason, too. Now, anybody that's a, of the Rhodes Scholar lineage is absolutely, totally Illuminati. Bill Clinton was one. Um, and, you know, Cecil Rhodes is who the scholarship was named after. He was this wicked uh, pedophile diamond miner in South Africa, and that's who they named it after. It's like the Demolay Society in the Masons. You know, they name it after this, uh, was it Jacques Demolay? Who was a who was a uh, total pedophile, and yet they name the part of the Masons that are for young boys after this rabid pedophile homosexual. You know, it's 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 insane. You know, it would be like I, I think Bill Schneblin said this once. It would be like having a Ted Bundy home for battered women. It's exactly, it's exactly, it's, it's almost like the Illuminati does things just to put it in your face, hoping you'll never investigate it, because they want to see how really stupid the sheeple people are. Now, I'm not making a blanket indictment of everybody on the planet, I'm just saying that's what they're, and you'll, you'll, you're, we're going to read that, that that's one of their common themes, they just want to see how much they can get by on somebody, but... You know, thirty. You, know, you could see all these people. They're all masons and shriners and Rhodes scholars. Then we have Wesley Ernest Disney, who began his, as a lawyer in Muskogee County, which is a he says is a satanically controlled county, and was also a Christian scientist. He lived in Tulsa, which is a powerful city of the Illuminati hierarchy. Doris Miles Disney had been a writer of occult fiction. Occult fiction. Well, that's exactly what Walt Disney was. 
Disney cartoons, Fantasia, and all these other things that have been done, we've cited a lot of the inappropriateness. He just did it in a more subtle way. But he did it in a more, uh, you know, the more subtle the devil could do something, the better. And he's indoctrinated the whole world, particularly children, into witchcraft. Now it's perpetuated into things like Harry Potter and the Twilight series and all of the other things that are more overt. But what got the ball rolling, truly, with the kids particularly, with the children, was Walt Disney. He was the one that got the parents who, you know, were uh, letting their kids get into Harry Potter and these types of things. That was where the door got opened. It's through Disney. Doris Miles Disney was a writer of occult fiction. Uh, some of her works were The Magic Grandfather, The Chandler Policy, and that was written in 1972, and Trick or Treat, which was also written in 1972, as well as many other occult themes. Now, another thing I'd like to say here is that people would say, oh, there's no way... I just don't believe whatever he says. It's just like C.S. Lewis. You know, I did that report on C.S. Lewis. It's, it's, uh, I mean, praise the Lord. It's, it's like the number one teaching I've ever posted on Sermon Audio. And every once in a while, I'll get a comment from somebody saying, oh, what you're saying is unsubstantiated. I'm quoting from his own writings. I'm quoting from, from things that were written about him or by him about who he associated with, who is he with. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not the one that authored it. And yet, it's unsubstantiated. And again, on this one alone, we have three solid pages of references regarding what we're talking about today here. The thing is, is that the Illuminati, and you've heard me say this before, when I did that teaching on George Washington, they will only honor their own. They'll honor their own. They'll put you on a dollar bill or a quarter. You're telling me that if the Illuminati, who controls the monetary system, and in essentially the outward government, okay, I understand Jesus Christ is on the throne, but Satan is the prince and the power of the air, and through this group called the Illuminati, which are essentially the 13 families, occultic, generational, Luciferian, witchcraft, families that particularly practice the Kabbalah, that run the world, they only honor their own. Okay, so you cannot get to these high, high levels and it just to be by chance and be honored. Who has been more honored? I mean, over and over and over again. We cited all the awards that, that Walt Disney had. Who's been more honored openly than Walt Disney in the past hundred years? If you look at, I mean, I'm talking across the board. Hardly anyone. Hardly anyone, if you really think about it. Who has been more associated with wholesomeness and family values than Disney? Just the name Disney or Walt Disney. It's all a total lie and a total fabrication. The media is only here in order to feed us what they want to feed us. That's something we have to understand about this particular subject. And particularly, the more highly honored they are, the more wicked and evil they really were behind closed doors. The Bible says that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Well, who has been more highly esteemed among men with no controversy? 
I mean, not not media wise. There's not been anything like in the media where you know it ever said you know Walt Disney was this or that, and it doesn't happen. It does happen with a lot of the big Hollywood stars though. They went out of their way to make sure that he had a totally squeaky clean image, and uh, he was highly, highly, highly honored. So it's just something to think about. If we go further, the story of Disney's silent film career is not so much a struggle for artistic expression as it as it is as a fight for commercial stability. Okay, so during the 1920s, Walt stayed safely within the confines of comic animation as defined by others, such as the producers of Felix the Cat, Coco the Clown, and Crazy Cat. In other words, many of the ideas were coming from just himself. Disney's movies were not any better than others. In the 1930s, Disney got some of the best talent available, though, and he began to settle for only the best results from his talent. With with the mob and the Illuminati behind him and driven by an indebtedness to them, Disney began to achieve outstanding results in animation. Between 1924 and 1927, Walt Disney made a series of 56 silent Alice, what they call Alice comedies, which is where we get Alice in Wonderland, which were used, which used three different girls. Six-year-old Virginia Davis, Margie Gay, and Lois Hardwick were the three girls. They were used to act as Alice, who romps around a make-believe cartoon world. These cartoons combine live action and animation. By the time the series was done, Walt Disney wanted to try to work solely with animation. Margaret Winkler distributed Walt Disney's Alice comedies. From the beginning, children were the center of everything that Walt did. The occult world that backed Walt as well as Walt himself believed that if they could bring out the child in a person, then they could appeal to the curiosity and feelings of that child part, whether that child part be of a real child or an adult. They wanted to bring that wonderment and child out, but they wanted to do it in a in an unbiblical way, you know. Uh, if it worked with adults, they could do the same for that part with the children. They even knew that in the 1920s and 30s what had to be accomplished in the great, in the secret great plan for the new world order. So please understand, always remember when you're hearing this stuff, what was the ultimate goal of them doing this and promoting Walt Disney and Disney World and all of his pictures and stuff? It was to bring about the great plan for the new world order. Which has always been Satan's goal. Okay? So... Something very, very important to keep in mind. The Illuminati Great Plan called for a family life to be destroyed, for children to rebel against their parents, and for the world to become more violent. Children needed to immerse in images of violence so that a violent society could be created. For instance, the 1925 film Alice Stage Struck shows little girl Alice strapped to a log leading to a buzzsaw. They also wanted to make occultism, witchcraft, the common belief of the American people. You see what I'm saying? With, I mean, it's not me, but what do we have today now? We have things that are so much more overt. Where did it start, though? What was the fountainhead? What was the foundation? The Bible talks about, it alludes to the fact that if the head is sick, the whole body will become sick. Well, Disney was really the head of what was used by Satan to indoctrinate the kids and to pervert them and to defile them and to get them indoctrinated into witchcraft and violence and to rebel against their parents and for family life to be destroyed. 
you know, I've watched a lot of those shows that, you know, and it, they might not necessarily even be from Disney, but a lot of those shows from, quote, family shows from time gone by, you know, from like the 60s. And, and you know, every single time, if I were to have at one point, and I haven't in a long time, if I were to have bought the VCR or tapes or whatever, I destroy them. Because you watch them and you realize it's an indoctrination tool. I mean, they all teach, oh, everybody goes to heaven. Everybody goes to heaven. And they always, they always teach these, these nebulous occult themes. They're intertwined. And it really boils down to how does it feel in your heart? You know, they never name the name of Jesus Christ. And if they do, it's in a derogatory way. They teach you to follow your heart. Is basically what it boils down to. And the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. So, yeah, if you, if you follow your heart, it'll get you to hell every single time. And that's what Disney, the essence of what Disney has done, it's really that. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. You won't want to get near the Bible. Because the Bible will expose your wicked heart. Uh, going further, it says that the Illuminati felt they could bring, it, bring in witchcraft if they appealed to the curiosity of the child and every adult. For instance, the Donald Duck cartoon, Corn Chips, from 1951, shows Donald harassing Chippendale who then get back at him by stealing a box of popcorn and spreading it all over the front yard. What does a cartoon like this teach kids? It teaches that stealing to repay a grudge is okay and that pranks are funny. Now, again, you, you think about all the cartoons. I mean, even them back then, they were just pure violence. Killing this guy and killing this guy and smashing him over the head, eating him, you know. <coughs> they always end up living... Excuse me, but, I mean, really, what's the message that's actually being sent, though? It's not, it's not Christian at all, it's, 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 it's demonic. So the Disney films of the 1920s, in those films, he shows kids cutting school, shoplifting, and playing hooky. He shows Alice running away from responsibility to have adventure. He shows prisoners escaping and hobos escaping work. His films are expressions of misbehavior being successful. So again, it's totally against the Bible. And yet, and I've been guilty of it, you know, for a long time in my life, before I became a born-again Christian, I found out about this, but the Bible says, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That's what we've, most of us, even the ones that are, quote, profession Christians, have done regarding Disney. They've called it good. And in reality, it's evil, and it's an abomination. The 1951 cartoon, Get Rich Quick Goofy, one of my favorites, just kidding. Uh, Goofy wins money at poker. And his initial, and he is initially angry with his wife, who doesn't like, gam who doesn't like gambling, but she forgives him when she sees how much he's won. Goofy indicates that they can have a spending spree by telling his wife, easy come, easy go. That was a quote. 
The gambling spirit is a very powerful spirit that the Illuminati wants to instill in this, instill in this nation. How can a cartoon that promotes gambling be wholesome for children? A great point, you know. And I, you know, I could harken back, think about, you know, the times when they, you know, this, these types of things were portrayed in the Disney cartoons. Gambling. I mean, hey, pretty much everybody plays the lotto, right? Well, that's gambling. You're throwing your money, and even if you won. I mean, or even if they, they say, oh, it goes into education. What? The wicked public education system? You want, you want to help support that? That are indoctrinating our kids into Darwinism? And, and evolution? And, you know, gender identification and sexual orientation, all these garbage things they try. I don't want to feed any, I don't want to feed a penny into that thing if I don't have to. And the lottery is gambling. Period. Um, it's a proven fact too that most of the time when the people win those lottery, their lives just are ruined after that point. And I, I kind of wonder: is it because the spirit of greed, and then they become self-complacent, and then, or is it maybe the source of where the money's coming from? It's like blood money. It's it's what I'm saying is that it's wicked. It's a wicked system, and you're winning wickedness. I mean, if you go to a casino and you won a million dollars, do you think that's money that God has blessed? I'm not saying God can't use money, money for good or evil. Okay, money can be used. Money takes on the personality of the possessor. Okay, it can be used for good or evil. True, but if you were literally going to like Vegas and you go and you win a million dollars and you know there's no way God led you to do that. There's no way. God would not lead you into something wicked to beget something good. Can something good come out of something evil? The Bible poses that question in Job, I believe 14. And it says no. Not one. So, this is just one more thing that these cartoons are trying to instill. Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman is a military expert on how to condition people so that they will kill. That's his job, okay? He writes in his superb book on killing, um, that's actually his name of his book, On Killing. It was produced in 1996 by Little Brown and Company. That same process that the government has used to condition soldiers to kill is being used by the entertainment industry. Okay, so you have to understand that a lot of different high-level mind-controlling techniques are being incorporated into these cartoons in the entertainment industry in order to condition us. The only major difference is that the military, in the military, men are taught to kill only on command, while our children are being taught to kill when, whenever they want to via TV's, quote, entertainment. Grossman states on page 308 of the book that we talked about that the conditioning to kill begins with cartoons. It begins innocently with cartoons and then it goes on to countless acts of violence as depicted on the TV as the child grows up. Then the parents, through neglect or conscious decision, begin to permit the child to watch movies rated R due to vivid um, depictions of knives penetrating and protruding from bodies, long shots of blood, severed limbs, bullets ripping into bodies and exploding out the back. Uh, that was a quote from the book. While children see horrible deaths on TV, they learn to associate the suffering with entertainment, pleasure, and their favorite soft drink, their favorite candy bar, 
in close, intimate contact with their date. Um, Disney has the appearance of wholesomeness. This appearance also is quite deceptive. A close study of the Disney cartoons will reveal lots of violence that could not be depicted if the violence was actually real life and not animation. Now, this is a really important point. Let me read that again. A close study of Disney's cartoons will reveal lots of violence that could not be depicted if the violence was actually real life and not animation. Why? Because a cartoon, your defenses are automatically lowered. They could get away with so much more on cartoons that they could never, ever get away with on real TV. What are some examples of that? That putrid, blasphemous family guy show? There's one other one, too. Um, what? What? American Dad? Yeah. South Park, which is so blasphemous. South Park is, you know... I tell you, if, 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 you, if you don't watch just a 15-second clip of one of those shows, if it doesn't make you righteous indignant, something's wrong. I mean, it, it's so blasphemous. But these shows have taken all of what Walt Disney started to the next level. Okay, this is the logical progression of where Satan, what Satan wanted through the beginning of cartoons, which was Disney. I mean, he was, there were not cartoons. We did not have animation. We didn't have TV before this. <clears throat> so, it's wholesome front, which is one of the deceptions that makes Disney cartoons and films so dangerous. Yes, the image of Disney has been that of cartoons or wholesomeness. No wonder the Illuminati mind control programmers have laughed at how naive the American public is toward Disney. See, they're laughing at you if you think that Disney is wholesome. These programmers. The Disney gargoyle cartoons are a television series of pure demonology. What are gargoyles? I mean, gargoyles are essentially winged draconian reptilians. Which would be, you know, <clears throat> one of the main ways that Satan is portrayed. I mean, there's different classifications of these supposed aliens that have come to the earth. And, and, and I don't believe any of that garbage. They're, they're either Nephilim-like creatures and or fallen angels and or trans-dimensional beings manifesting in this particular form. And probably a combination Hard to be super dogmatic, but um, one of the main ways and one of the highest casts that when people supposedly encounter these things are the, are the winged reptilians. What is that? That's a gargoyle. Okay? I mean, are you telling me there's no basis in truth and or evil for gargoyles? There, there's just a myth. There's, no, there's nothing to it. No. It's, it's a lot like the winged dragon and the great dragon and Leviathan that the Bible talks about. So don't tell me there's no basis in truth for any of this. It's pure evil. But Disney had a whole cartoon series, Disney's Gargoyles. The storyline is that a race of demons protects New York City. That's what this story that Disney's put out says. One of the gargoyles is even named Demona, Demonia. Like demon? Demona. The Illuminati programmers are amazed at how stupid the masses of people are and how easily deceived they are. 
The Illuminati Mafia knew that Walt had the ability to get the job done that the Great Plan called for. I'm telling you, this Walt Disney, he's been one of the... Disney, in general, has been one of the greatest tools of Satan in the last hundred years. Bar none, hands down. I'm not saying the greatest, but one of the greatest tools. They knew that they had the carrots and the sticks to get Walt Disney to cooperate. There's a, a meaning carrots like a carrot. You hang out in front of a donkey to get him to do something. And a stick meaning they'll beat you with a stick if you don't do it. There's no doubt that Walt was a hard worker who in turn expected high standards from his employees. One of the co-workers of Walt wrote that, quote, Walt made a simple statement <clears throat> that you can lick them with the product if you make your product good enough. They cannot deny it. In Walt's estimation, everything that was done had to be executed with a great deal of thought and finesse. In 1922, Walt made a film, made the film Cinderella. Um made a film, Cinderella. This is not to be confused with the later animated film, also with the same title, released in 1950. Okay, so it's not the same Cinderella. The 1950 features was released numerous times. The, art, the Alice cartoons that we talked about further were made into six-year-old, a six-year-old plain Alice. The first six Alice comedies has, had extensive live-action beginnings and then went into a cartoon. So it was part live person, part cartoon. Some of the titles of these 1920 silent cartoon titles were Alice Wonderland, Alice Hunting in Africa, Alice's Spooky Adventure, Alice Plays Cupid, and again, Cupid is just another devil, okay, that we've been associated with Valentine's Day, which is a totally satanic holiday. Uh, Alice Cans the Cannibals. So again, w these themes, Cannibals, Cupid, Spooky Adventure... Alice Rattled by Rats. Alice Charms the Fish. Charming is something that the Bible talks about that's always associated with witchcraft. A charmer or an enchanter, which is right on the same par as a witchcraft. So again, just, just to give you a little more background there. Uh, after the Alice series, Disney began a fully animated series called Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Here we see the occult concept of luck. Now you've heard me mention that before. Lucky Lucifer, you know. Um, and who hasn't heard of the lucky rabbit's foot? I know I've got ten in my pocket right now. Just kidding. Teasing. Anyway, um, but yeah, rub your lucky rabbit's foot and get anything you want. Do you see how, again, this is, it's so obvious to me now doing this report, what a, what an incredible tool Satan, Disney has been in Satan's hands. Uh... Disney cartoon may entertain, but they also indoctrinate. While they entertain, in 1926, Walt Disney signed an agreement with Mints and Film Booking Offices, which is also known as EBO. The Film Booking Offices were... Um, I should be FBO, I'm sorry. Film Booking Offices were the Illuminati Kingpin mob boss, Joseph Kennedy's company. For the next year, Disney worked under the control and auspices of the Illuminati kingpin, Joseph Kennedy. All of the Disney pictures were registered by RC Picture Corporations, one of the parent companies of Kennedy's film booking offices. Kennedy also controlled the RKO studio, which worked together with other big studios to ensure that no small studio would develop as a competitor. They want to make sure they kill all the little guys off because they can't have any competition. 
1937, all the big studios, the 20th Century, Paramount, MGM, Warner Brothers, uh, Columbia Pictures, and Kennedy's RKO were allowing the mob to skim money from them. It's all so wicked and wicked and wicked and evil at the top. And that pretty much goes for everything on this planet. If you're at the top of something, you know, it's almost a given that it's been compromised and it's wicked and it's evil. Even if they have this nice candy-coated veneer at the lower levels. In the 1930s, the Illuminati Bank of America financed Walt Disney. Bank of America? Not them. Oh, yeah. Years before, Bank of America had been quietly created from the Bank of Italy, which was controlled by the same oligarchy that had run the Knights of Malta, which is another satanic secret society. And again, if you ever, um, if you ever go to Malta, make sure you go to their ice cream shops because they got the best malted milks there that you can imagine. Sorry, get it, Malta, Knights of Malta, malted milk. Anyway, so go ahead, going further, and the Renaissance. Uh, so they had been they run the Knights of Malta and the Renaissance of Venice. The Bank of Italy was a powerful bank in Hollywood's first years. Its representatives, uh, A. P. and a Tolio Gianni financed Walt during the 1920s with petty cash to keep him going, but not enough to get him out of financial bondage. Joe Rosenberg of the Bank of America was sympathetic to Walt. Rosenberg, who was a Jewish banker, came to all of Disney's board meetings, sat beside Walt, and would advise Walt on what direction Disney Studios should take. Joe wasn't a board member, but his advice got high priority. Bank of America also bankrolled other Illuminati projects and organizations. Bank of America had one of their branch offices on Disney's Main Street from 1955 until 1993. Okay, so continuing, uh, this Bank of America was open on holidays and Sundays for Disneyland. Bank of America is slated to be perhaps the only bank to survive the coming economic crash. Now, this report I'm reading you was written in the 90s. Fritz knew about the coming economic collapse, and it's very matter-of-fact, you know. Bank of America is perhaps going to be the only bank that will survive. Now, again, if it does survive, it, it will be assimilated. It will probably become the bank of either North America or the bank of the world. World Bank. Because some banks got to survive, right? All the other ones got to go. And when this economic crash happens, the Illuminati kingpins will actually allow their own banks to crash. Why? Because it's all part of a controlled crisis to bring about a controlled change. Order out of chaos. Order ab cow. The the motto of the 33rd degree Freemason. Order out of chaos. It's part of the Hegelian dialectic. They create one problem and, you know have two opposing sides, and, and then the, the um, ultimate resulting of that is, is their controlled um, outcome. Bank of America executive Clark Bice, who is also a Scottish Rite Freemason, has been a member of Disney's board of directors from 1965 to 1975. One of the biggest depositors in Bank of America is Roy E. Disney. Other Disney execs like Rich Frank have also used the Bank of America as their bank choice. Bank of America bankrolled the Disney animation of Snow White. Uh, Let's see here. 
Oh, yeah, I need to read this. Walt managed to 